0: This episode of Building Barrels is brought to you by the winds of Barbados. Please excuse their continued interruptions. Welcome, thanks for dropping in to Building Barrels, where we explore the technology, planning, and development of adventure centers using man-made waves to spread the stoke of surfing. My name is Michael and I'd like you to join me in learning everything we can about surf park development and together we can build barrels in our hometowns. In this episode of Building Barrels we are going to continue the recap of the Surf Park Summit 2020. And this time, we're going to cover the pre-development design and planning of your surf park. And once again, I'm going to combine two different sessions from the summit into one. This time, I'm going to look at a presentation done by Sean Young, who is the head of development projects at Wavegarden, and combine that with a panel discussion on design and conceptualization of your surf park between, once again, Sean Young of Wavegarden as well as Paul Chudder with Whitewater, who is also a panelist in one of the other episodes of Building Barrels covering the Surf Park Summit, and Dennis Berkshire with Aquatic Design Group, and William Duncanson with BAR Architects. The moderator was Matthew Heislop with Colliers International. One of the first things that was mentioned, and it's something that you and I know already and anybody in the industry really is that the interest in surf parks and the participation in surf parks is growing significantly. And it's mainly because surf parks provide a solution of bringing high quality consistent fun waves in places both near the beach and not near the beach. And this is really driving the growth in the industry. It marries the physical and mental benefits of surfing and brings it to everybody. Anybody around the world can enjoy it. Now Wave Garden says to get started, you really need to look at the experience of the team itself, the development experience, the operational experience, you know, how the surf park runs and as well as any experience in raising funds. All of that plays an impact in getting started. Now, contrary to what the panel said on how to finance your surf park wave garden seems to think that you need 500,000 in seed funding before you can go out and get more funding. And you're gonna use that money for five to 12 months doing detailed feasibility studies of your project, as well as finding a good piece of land and performing detailed geotech surveys on the land and feasibility studies on the land. And you're gonna get construction estimates and you really wanna be honest with the costs to build your surf park. Furthermore, during this time you're gonna be looking at developing your business plan and establishing forecasts for visitor counts. And in your business plan, you don't want to underestimate the energy and maintenance costs of your surf park. Now, Sean also said that you really want to start your operational permitting early, especially when considering the health and safety and regulation of your lagoon. You also wanna look at how is your surf park gonna be classified? Is it gonna be a wave basin, a surf lake? surf cove or something else you just want to make sure that it's not classified as a swimming pool and you want to get ahead of this early with the local legislation because the engineering of a wave pool is a lot more complex than a swimming pool and it's just not the same thing. And finally you don't want to experiment during your due diligence process. You want to get the right advice, the right engineers and the right expertise to help you take your vision into a reality. I also mentioned that in, in terms of operations, you want to give yourself plenty of time for pre-opening, training, tests, etc. And one more thing I covered in some of the other episodes is that you really need a system in place to match the ability of the surfer to the correct wave and to the correct surf session. You don't want to get somebody who thinks they're better than they are into an expert session. And finally, what are the rules for a failing surfer? What are you going to do if you've got a surfer in your pool and he is in over his head? What are you going to do with him? How are you going to get him out? <laughs> Wipe out. Now getting into some of the early stage surf park design questions that come up, the, some of the key questions and challenges in the early stage development of planning and design is who is your target market? Is it going to be a private surf club, membership only type? Or is it going to be open to the public? Who are the users? You need to understand the 30, 60, 90 minute drive time demographics so you can really explore this and understand the tourism and how it's going to relate to your surf park. What's the seasonality? How long will your customers be staying and what kind of activities are they going to want? What schools are in the area? How many children and at what ages? Yes, we are going to want to attract the core surfers to your surf park, but slightly more important than that, is going after people who have never surfed before. Your surf park is very conducive for this demographic because it's easier to learn how to surf. It's fun, it's addictive, it's in a safe environment, and it's aspirational. Your beginners are gonna to want to get better and better and become intermediates and pros. Next you want to look at is your surf park going to be a standalone surf park or is it going to be a surf park plus meaning are you going to add hospitality in addition to it or residential? Are you going to have more water park features? Your surf basin is the anchor, it's the baseline and whatever else you add is the plus but the question is how many pluses are you going to add to maximize your ROI? Most important, you want to ensure that there's something for everyone, for the surfer and for the surfer's family. Maybe you want to elongate the stay by offering overnight accommodations and thereby increasing your per-cap spend. But most importantly, you want to better the overall experience in order to increase the repeat visitation to your surf park. Now, what are the stages and phases of development of your surf park? We've touched on this before but you need to explore the feasibility and decide what programs can your facility serve and you need to better understand the built environment. You need to establish the capitalization of your surf park and additionally the construction budgets of your surf park, the budgets of the operation and maintenance requirements. You need to flesh out your business plan and your performance and your ROIs. Now some of the critical feasibility points of your surf park are going to be your users versus the site. Who are going to be your users of the surf park? And the idea was speculated that as surf park operators, we kind of create our own market, especially in some of the inland areas where there's not really a surf demographic. You bring in young people and beginners and they become your future users of more advanced waves. So you need to attract more of the public and new potential surfers. And to do this, you may be required to add some dry land amenities, a more comprehensive amenity package rather than just the wave pool itself. Now many developers have aspirations to develop as much commercial around the lagoon as possible. However, permitting for this may be difficult and you may need to develop your surf park in phases, kind of like how Surf Snowdonia did. They developed their surf park in the Wave Lagoon first, and after they got that off the ground and had some success with it, that's when they started developing some commercial around it. So the more real estate that you can add around your lagoon, the better potential return for your project as a whole, but keep in mind this may be hard to permit. Now some of the site considerations that you may need for your surf park plan is the topography of the site, the soil conditions, the water table, the orientation of your surf lagoon. All of this is going to impact your early design, and you need to look at the cost and benefit of each, and how much work and investigation do you do on the technical side of it in terms of the geotech surveys, because all of this is going to cost money, and some of this you may not need to do, but if you don't do the wrong thing, you take the risk, later on getting a more detailed feasibility study and in, in going through the design and construction permitting and you find there are some difficulties with the land that you didn't predict, it's gonna cost a lot of money in the end, especially if there are significant tech challenges such as contamination of the site. It's really gonna cost you. Some other thoughts on design that you might wanna consider. It was suggested that could you design two parks within one that kind of feel seamlessly as just one surf park. One could be for the aspirational surfers, your beginners, and the other for the lifelong pros and experts. You want to have an on-land experience with a continuum of the local surf culture and history, creating the ability for other surf culture experiences to be replicated. And then, in the design of your surf park, where is the pay barrier located? Meaning, where are people going to pay to go surf? Can people just come in and walk around? or Is there gonna be an entrance fee and you pay before you even get in? Or do people have access to all the retail and restaurant components, but to get to the park, then you pay? All of this is gonna impact your design and determine how much retail and restaurant space you can use and whether it's gonna be up or downstream from the pay barrier. Now some key issues regarding getting your development permits that you want to also think about is you're likely gonna be the first developer to try and do something like this in your region. You're gonna be the one educating the stakeholders, the neighbors, the elected officials, the building officials, and you can guide the process. So who are the regulators gonna be? You need to reach out to them and find out their requirements need to start understanding and discussing codes and approvals and how they will approach them. You need to reach out to them and get preliminary meetings about your surf park and try and get someone on staff to discuss the industry standard of care and how to get things approved. And different areas are going to have more sensitive regulations and different studies that are needed. Uh, This is very important, but it is situational. Each state is gonna have its own regulations. Some may get a complete exemption for it. Eventually, the surf venue category will hopefully be put in place to make things easier. But right now, you're gonna be the one educating the stakeholders, the neighbors, the elected officials, and the building officials. But thankfully, you can guide the process, and hopefully, the benefit model proposed to those officials will get them to help you. Now moving on to safety issues and regulations, we've covered this extensively in other segments but this panel discussed it as well and it just demonstrates how important water quality is. It's just so huge. There are three parts to water quality which is circulation, filtration and chemical treatment. We've covered that and you need to achieve a balance of all this in your wave pool and it's, it's going to be different in your wave pool compared to a swimming pool. And you need to find ways to maintain safe water quality while reducing chlorine issues. And again, sustainability, another huge topic that we've covered elsewhere, the energy consumption, the carbon footprint that you have, the strong demand from customers to minimize the footprint, and how you can get your surf park to be carbon neutral, how to make it environmentally friendly. Maybe you could reduce the water, not just the water consumption, but the water of the lake overall. You could reduce the depth, make the lagoons as shallow as possible while still delivering good waves and being safe. You need to reduce energy. This continues to be brought up and it needs to be explored more. Surf parks are energy intensive and if developed in the right way, they might not be as energy intensive. And hopefully you can eventually make your surf park self-sufficient in the future. And it was noted that sustainability, water, and equity stories all need to be in place early on in the process. Now this panel also discussed capital management. A majority of your capital is going towards your lagoon, but you need to make some serious decisions on the scale of your lagoon. How much capacity do you want? How much capacity can your local demographic support in your surf park? So, it, this all determines what size of lagoon you're going to need. And in the future, there will be more options in terms of size and shape. These are big decisions. You're going to need to look at your estimated capitalization versus your operational costs. What is truly feasible? And all of this is going to impact your capital investment. And also, as a little side note, how do you make your lagoon more of an asset to the community? Are there any joint uses that you can explore bringing other stakeholders into it that can be important what about using the water as an asset for the fire department or use your facility for training for fire and police and emergency water rescues there are other things that you can explore regarding your surf park. and finally these panelists gave us a few tips and takeaways to explore to end their session one of which is make sure to really explore the capacity versus the costs of that capacity, the operational costs and the construction costs of the lagoon compared to how much capacity you can have and the variety and the different people of different abilities and skill levels. And you wanna find a location and develop your facility allowing for evolution and growth as the tech and market grows and evolves. And also you're going to want to look at what design or program elements that you can bring to your surf park to make it as global a catchment meaning it's appealing to the broadest spectrum of people while also maintaining its uniqueness and making it a special park that people are going to want to go to over and over again and ultimately you want to reach out to experts to help de-risk your project don't do it all alone get some experts on board with you now If you like this information and you found it helpful please like it share it comment and follow my channel or if you'd like to join a surf park mastermind group click the link in the description below and i'll be in touch and together we can build barrels all over the world thanks again for dropping in i'm kicking out see ya